Howdy, Docolo. Docolo being a consistent listener to this podcast, The Documenteers, the podcast about documentaries. Maybe you're not quite a Docolo yet, but we're happy to have you. We got a cheese tray on the counter over there. Help yourself. Some crusty bread and a little tapenade. Have as much as you want. My name is Bob Sham, and each week I host this podcast with a special friend. A lot of current docs will be discussed as we transition into the new year. And this one drew some heat, as I'm sure it knew it would. Akil and I discuss the journey of understanding one's own white privilege through the filter of a very successful comedian and television personality, Chelsea Handler. My white privilege brought in Akil to discuss this documentary about white privilege called Hello Privilege. It's me, Chelsea, and it is directed by a woman named Alex Stapleton. And it's on Netflix, and it's the type of film that could have a broad range of reactions, as you can imagine. Before we get into all that, let me just tell you what's on the docket for next week's show. Angela and I get back into the true crime scene with an HBO original two-part series that dropped last spring, I believe. And it's also our return to director, Erin Lee Carr. We talked about her much-discussed film, Mommy, Dead, and Dearest, in the early early shit audio days of the podcast. And next week, we discuss that strange case of a boy who took his own life and the girl who was blamed for his death after it was uncovered that she appeared to support the young man in his suicidal endeavors. Was Michelle Carter a twisted sociopath or was the sad outcome in this case inevitable? We discuss Aaron Lee Carr's I Love You Now Die! The Commonwealth versus Michelle Carter. So darken your light-haired eyebrows, and join us for all of that intrigue next week on The Documenteers. Music snippet credits this week are an interesting mix. We hear little John Tesh. Yes, I said John Tesh. I think a couple short clips, one being Song for Prima. You'll just have to listen on to discover the context. We also play that 50 song Tequila by The Champs. Real easy lyrics to memorize in that one. We go out on the song White Mask by Ace Kefford. Ace Kefford was originally in the very influential early power pop group, The Move. Has some solo stuff out there I've enjoyed for years. I'm a big fan of classic and early power pop. Shit like The Move, The Kinks, Big Star, Love, Cheap Trick. Flaming Groovies, especially their Shake Some Action record. I like all that stuff. And Ace's deep cut song about racial disparity I think works here in a documentary about race by white people for white people. Because like we say in this episode, there's nothing in this documentary that black people don't know. I couldn't really find the lyrics specifically. I didn't realize this song was that deep cut. Usually the internet has lyrics for any song. It's an interesting song. I've really enjoyed it. It might not get every aspect of it right, but you know, white people rarely do when it comes to race. We also hear some speech cuts from Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, infamous man, and a clip of Tamarack, Florida City Commissioner Mike Gellin confronting a police officer who had falsely imprisoned him. I couldn't remember where that occurred in the episode, so I just want to credit that here at the top. Also, a- another correction, I call someone or somebody's in this episode an Alabama white bitch. I just wanted to go ahead and apologize for that. I was incorrect in that statement. The woman was actually an Orange County white bitch from Orange County, California, the infamous Orange County. It's important that you don't get your white bitches confused. Come correct with your white bitches 
Some, I assume, are good people. Documenteerspodcast.com is where you can find out how to contact us. Maybe let us know what you thought of this documentary we will discuss today. I can imagine there are many different reactions to it. Supporting us, that's simple. Rate us nicely, write nice reviews, subscribe to us, recommend us, and listen to us like you're doing right now. I see some people out there, uh, many have said very nice things to me. Uh, we do have an Instagram. I never say that shit, but a sliver of uh, our audience is uh, a bit of an Instagram audience, and people on talk to on there are incredibly nice, and I'm uh, very grateful for you. And we hope to just keep having fun here, giving you plenty of things to listen to. But now we talk about race and privilege, okay? Keep on doc. Here is a motion picture film, A Thousand Feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I'm clearly the beneficiary of white privilege, and I want to know what my personal responsibility is moving forward in the world that we live in today where race is concerned. I want to know how to be a better white person to people of color without making it a thing. Happy November. Oh, don't you just love this weather? Oh, I'm so glad the heat is over. Oh. It was unbearable, man. <laughs> it's just fucking unbearable. Yes, it's so good. To, I will not exercise in the fucking Tennessee summers. I'm against it now. That's a I've wise tr- decision. I've tried. I like going outside. I do. But fuck, man. It just seems like it's just muggy. Barely we even get winters anymore, it even feels like. So. I know. Last year was really mild. Like, yeah. I'm kind of wondering what to expect this year uh, we'll probably start growing banana trees and shit we so. have banana trees in our front yard what yeah we've always had banana trees do they fruit i've seen no actually, no they, they, we i've don't. actually seen banana trees around here before but i didn't realize you had them in your yard. yeah we've got like five of them i hate them so much Cut them? oh they're not all right you're yeah ridiculous. yeah I was about i'm to say, not a fan of banana trees i well they shouldn't be here they no. don't belong here <laughs> need to get a rug to stabilize this shit but it shakes them. If you see the mic shake, that yeah. might be feedback going on. So we have a rug at the house in the garage. It's rolled up like it's a big not, one. Yeah, it's not a great rug. Like it's the one we had at the old place, but we just we replaced it with another one. So it's just been sitting out in the garage. What's it look like? It's like blue and orange pattern kind of thing. It's you know we had cats, and so it's got. How much of your comments on this rug? I generally always went for the hardwood floor. Oh, so yeah, easy clean. Yeah, it's just too hard to yeah. clean it out of car. You're right. You get? That was a trick question. Come on, man. You answered it right. <laughs> I ain't no amateur over here. Come on, we've been coming been for years. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're in my house, every hardwood surface. <laughs> Be careful. Duly noted. Anyway, happy November, my friend. Happy November, Robert. I'm glad to enjoy this autumn weather with you. The briskness of it. My favorite holiday, it's Thanksgiving. It just so happens to be. Because we've had that conversation before. Oh, that I've talked to you about yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, I love Thanksgiving. I, it, it's kind of uh, it's a little sad for me this year because my grandmother cannot get around as mm. much 
without like your issues and problems. So I would go get her for the past few years and bring her, but I'm actually gonna have to have two Thanksgivings and go to her and bring her a bunch of food. But so it's a little melancholy. I'm not going to be with my grandma on actual Thanksgiving, yeah. but, but I love Thanksgiving because all you need is a dish and you, right? You ain't got to go crowd out Walmart, buy a bunch of toys that just going to rip their heads off later Fuck for a bunch of kids. I enjoy turkey. I I think if a turkey is cooked very well, that is one of the most delicious birds out there. I can make a really good turkey. I'm hashtag blessed to have a lot of friends who got some mad cooking skills. And I find that when uh, my friends, my peer groups make food, it's often banging. Like, it's just, I'm just fortunate like that. Yeah. Uh, hashtag blessed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I have a favorite holiday. No. No, I used to, uh, there was a time when I would have said at Christmas, I like the idea of Christmas, but the reality of Christmas fucking sucks. I could, I bitch about Christmas all the way up to Christmas. And yeah, then, same. And then, like, I cave in, like, on the day. Yeah. And I plan on I'll being be- with uh, family up north. It'll be the first Christmas I'm out of state. That'd be cool. So, I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that gives me a new perspective on the holiday, or at least appreciating it at an angle. Yeah. But for the most part, fuck Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas specials. I love the cartoons. I love the movies. I love the music. I'm a huge Christmas Carol fan. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to my Christmas carols. I don't like... It's hard to make a Christmas classic. I think the last one we had was All I Want for Christmas, Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. Like They come along once every 20 years at this point. It's hard to make one. There's a reason why yeah. people go back to the same ones over and over again. Uh, but it's just the people. I don't like people during oh, sure. <laughs> during Christmas. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we can just get rid of the people. And don't tell me what the reason of the season is, all right? <laughs> what I see happening is the season, all right? Bah humbug. I, I told myself I wasn't going to complain on microphone about Christmas too much. Christmas is fine. I don't think you should make that rule. Thanksgiving is better. Christmas is one of my favorite things to complain about. So yeah. this will not be the last time you hear me bitching about Maybe it. Maybe we should do a, a side podcast <laughs> every year. Just like four episodes where we just like, fuck Christmas. <laughs> but it only comes out in December. Like the Santa Land Diaries. Yeah. But probably not nearly as entertaining. Are you kidding? We are entertaining. <laughs> you know, uh, when I was uh, a kid growing up in the country... White trash is the term a term they use in this movie. You could say that we were close to that. For a few years there, Christmas was like, okay, who's going to go to jail today? <laughs> who's going to uh, who's going to bash in a window with a tire iron this Christmas? You know, I mean, it was always down to like two or three people, but <laughs> that's deep, man. Anyway, we watched the film "Hello Privilege." It's me, Chelsea, by comedian Chelsea Handler. Admittedly, she's not my flavor of comic. Same. I've never been gravitated to her. I'm not going to just say she's not funny because that's all subjective. She's just one of those comics that she's kind of everywhere. So you know who she is. She's like a Kevin James. I'm I'm sorry. Ooh. You know, like. Chelsea Handler's the Kevin James of. Sure, we can we can (laughs) we can go with that. of, Of books about getting fucked. But it's just like, you know. She's just kind of omnipresent. She's there, but I've never seen her stand up. I've never, this is the first time I've ever watched anything that she actually was in or participated in. So yeah, I have no, based on what I saw, I mean, 
I didn't think her comedy was that funny, but that was early footage from early in her career. So I don't know. I think in dabbling around, I maybe have seen like a few minutes of her talk show. She's had a couple talk shows yeah. over the years. This is directed by Alex Stapleton and of course produced by Chelsea Handler. Chelsea is in it. It's rem- the title is reminiscent of a book called Hello Vodka. It's me, Chelsea. Uh, I, get, I, mean, I think the bo- book well, was how she drank and fucked all. They're both reminiscent of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I've read every Judy Bloom book. Yeah. You have no idea, people. <laughs> Don't fuck with the Bloom. I'll come at you. <laughs> Leave Judy Bloom alone. <laughs> did you look up Alex Stapleton? I did not. Uh, a woman of color, from what I could tell. I would hope. Total smoke show. I'm happy Seriously, to hear that. Look, look her up. I will. I'm happy to hear that she is a person of color because. Yeah. Had that not been the case, I don't know. If you're going to do something like this with this subject matter, yeah, you might want to you know, get some input from <laughs> <laughs> those of the non-Caucasian persuasion. While this movie does require black people, it's not really for black people. No. Not at all. Mm-mm. So you're welcome to leave if you'd like. <laughs> it's been real, folks. And I, sh- <laughs> I used my white privilege to make you talk to me about this movie. This is true burn you didn't force me to do this though no you always go willing and gay you're my buddy man (laughs) you're my friend you're my pal you know as i was watching this i was thinking like you know actually while they may not explicitly say it a lot of documentaries happen to also be about white privilege you know in terms of various types of tragedies Sadness is very common in a documentary, so. I would argue that the vast majority of documentaries are about white privilege <laughs> yeah. in some shape or form. <laughs> they're either making it or they're showing fine examples of it. They're without... doing things and the, the subject matter of the documentary is something that is only subject matter because it's something that white people are able to do or had the luxury or the, the privilege of being able to pursue. I, un- I, I definitely understand that. It seems like. When you see this objective sociological analysis of something, it always seems white, yeah. for sure. But I, I can't fault it because we, we, I can't fault the curiosity of it. But it seems like we're also trapped in that perspective. Like the we we do need angles in which, I mean, there's a lot of representation on representations getting a little better on TV in terms of what you see. But as far as production and yeah. like stuff like that. That's might be more important because if you actually take care of that, the rest of the it stuff will actually it happens. It'll happen naturally. Yeah, and organic. Yes. So, I mean, and that's. I mean, and therein, that's that's the thing. Is like there aren't. You'd be hard pressed to really find black produced and directed documentaries. Just like yeah. it's hard to find black produced and directed films because it's fucking hard to get your foot in the door. Yeah, and get anyone to pay attention to you enough where you can actually get some exposure on what you're trying to put out there. I'm going to give this movie one big compliment. Also say up top, I thought I would rip on this. I did too. Because I thought I was going to rip on Chelsea. And I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Also, it's an hour and four minutes long. Which is just mm, so appreciated. Mm, it's, it's, yeah. it's just the perfect amount of time. for If you can't get it done... Yeah, and that amount of time, then just fucking kill yourself. <laughs> you hear that, every other documentary filmmaker. I'm talking to you, Ken Burns. <laughs> Ken Burns, don't ever let him make you a mixtape. We're gonna start with the early phase of jazz. Yeah, <laughs> circa 1914. It's like Grateful Dead fans and their live like bootlegs. Yeah, like, you gotta Ugh. hear like minute thirty. 
hour. You got to listen until an hour and 45 minutes in, brother. How many different versions of the same song <laughs> can you listen to? It's like, it still just sounds like the, the boring dad shit. Sorry. We're old enough to be dads, making fun of dads. We see a uh, footage of a young, broke Chelsea. So what's up? Oh, I can't get anything. You know, I come out here to be a big famous movie star. Nothing's going my way. And I'm sick and tired of being broke, you know? It fucking sucks. You know, I, I have this fantasy that I'm a trust fund baby. But there's no fucking trust fund, okay? Believe me, I'm trying to convince my parents to give me all their money. They won't. Nobody will give me anything. It's awful. I mean, Jewish and I don't have any money. I'm a Jew, too. It's like I can't catch a fucking break, ever. <laughs> Plus, you know, Jews have more money. Or so I thought. Turns out we're like the poorest Jewish family in the world. Everyone sucks when they start doing yes, that. Yes, this is very true. So you got to commend her for showing herself sucking. Right, ass. that's why I said. I, I can't really judge. I know nothing about her stand-up. Right. And that's the only example you're giving us her early shit. So I can't really judge her on that. I would say I'm not into her, but because of my initial reactions of her, I just haven't pursued her. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I feel like like it's not my thing, but I can't be overtly negative about it because I haven't studied her. Only music do I will it suck and I'll still like pay attention somehow. Yeah, I could see that. I love shit music sometimes. Well, I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. I don't consider it shit music. People are fascinated that you're uh, into Barbara Streisand. Who's fascinated about that? I don't know. They think it's interesting. Like who? Who are these people you're talking about? Just like a couple people. (laughs) I need names. Bobby. Bill. I never liked Bill. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a fan too. He might be able to commiserate. Hey, I also like John Tesh. So there. Interesting. We'll only one album. Let's live at Red Rocks. <laughs> this tune has always meant the world to me, Conchetta. Thank you, PBS. <laughs> oh white boy. privilege, y'all. White yeah. privilege. John Tess forced his way into my home. That white privilege is entertaining you. That's right. It's that white privilege is entertaining at you. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's something that Tiffany Haddish says. Uh, a woman who was a comedian. She does more acting these days. I haven't seen any specials of her. I heard of Tiffany Haddish like years ago. She popped up on a podcast. She seemed to come out of nowhere. Different than everyone on that episode because she yeah. stood out even after all these years. But she's been at it for yeah, years. She's been working her ass off for a long time. Yeah. She was so raw and fucking funny. And to me, I was like, oh, Chelsea's interviewing someone that I do think it's funny and I do think is it. But she, it seems like Tiffany is now in the acting mode. Right. And Kevin Hart, like pretty much one of the biggest comedians. That man's a machine. Yeah. Regardless, however you feel about Kevin Hart, you cannot deny that man 
bust his ass yeah to be successful you do you kevin give me give me some credit for how much i produce this podcast you do you bobby give me <laughs> mad respect man no oh, thank you mad respect people can't see this but i'm putting my fist to my heart right now yeah in that way that you do when you're giving somebody mad props oh thank you you're welcome you're really good at that i appreciate everything that you do man that's coming from the heart Tiffany, what do, what do Tiffany and Kevin talk about in regards to their career? Uh, why is Chelsea interviewing them? Uh, because I would assume they are also stand-up comics who happen to be black. So she wants to, I mean, they're the first people she talks to right out the gate. Yeah. Which makes sense. She's a comic. So why not start from that place, some level of familiarity? And I'm Basically, sure they know her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, do they? I mean, I don't know that they actually, mm. I mean, that seems to be a thing. I think people always assume comics know one another, but that, that's not necessarily always the case. Oh, all comics know each other, Bob? <laughs> you fucking bigot. Uh, where was I even going? Sorry. <laughs> but no, basically she's asking, you know, what is the difference? Like, what do you think white people coming to L.A., like breaking into the business? What's the difference between what they have to deal with, i.e. her, versus yeah. what they have to deal with? And it was the same. I mean, it's a story that is as old as time. I would say that you have some white people in entertainment that are oblivious to certain opportunities that are easier for them to obtain. Your audition process is a lot easier. The acceptance for you coming in and wanting to get up is a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. Mine's was a, please give me a reference. Hey man, can you call? Hey, you mind talking to the owner of such and such? Hey man, okay, I'm with my guys. I'm with Colin Quinn, Rich Voss, Bill Burr, Jim Norton. You gotta hustle. You gotta work that much harder if you're a person of color. And that's not just in the business. That's across the board in this country. Like it's, my mom used to always tell me, you're gonna have to work twice as hard as any other white person in the same job if you wanna achieve the same level as that person. Um, and sadly, that is still the case. I've done over 500 bar mitzvahs. That's crazy. That's a lot of bar mitzvahs. And that's when she used the phrase entertaining at people. I entertained at them. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I've yeah. never heard a phrase like that before. <laughs> I entertained at them. And then Chelsea makes this joke about... You used, didn't you have a, an old Jewish man die mm -hmm. inside of you? Not what? inside of Wait me. Wait a minute. No, what? no, not inside of me. Well, what just happened? It was, at, it was at the bar mitzvah. I did laugh. <laughs> at first I cringed. I was at a mitzvah, was dancing with him, and he passed away. Oh, I thought you, I thought Not you inside you always, yeah, they were you, dancing. Okay. Oh. Then it wouldn't go away. You had somebody pass no, away inside no, of you? No, but I'm, I'm sure that will happen at some point, or I will pass away while someone's inside of I've me. I've dated men old enough to pass away me inside too, of girl, me, but they top. didn't. Bam. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then I started to laugh. She seemed to be a little annoyed at it. Yeah, initially. she was. She's like, what? Fuck no, I didn't, nobody died inside of me. I was, I was dancing. I was dancing and the guy died. But then she like took it to the next level when she asked Kevin Hart. Have you ever had somebody pass away inside of you? No. Okay, I'm just asking. I mean, it's a typical question. It's not a typical question. I kind of got the sense, again, I don't know much about Chelsea Handler, but she strikes me as sort of like, her thing seems to be the shock comedy kind of thing. A lot of the books she's written is about her sex life and like how she was, you know, she, I think she touched base on how she's like a wild kid, wild yeah. white girl up in New Jersey. I think a lot of it's just stemming from that past alcoholism. She seems to be very, a lot more politically active nowadays and hence why we're here. 
talking about this. Hello, Privilege. It's me, Chelsea. What do you think of that title? Uh, initially, I was like, barf. Like, I think I'm still kind of like Really? That. That's yeah. where we're going with this? Like, So I, I came into it already with that mindset just from the title. But I was pleasantly surprised. She's heading on into a gathering where there's um, a lot of people of color gathering to discuss, to vent, to tell their feelings about things. So USC student open mic night. They rap or they sing or they, you know, just do spoken word. Whatever they're feeling. Tonight the subject is white privilege. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And we go into uh, like a pretty powerful uh, monologue going on. Yeah. When she walks in. white privilege shit look around what isn't white privilege every morning i wake up a constant reminder of how little i'm valued in society working at your job site a university using words like diverse or variety to describe me being the one minority in a group of whites that keep on eyeing me with an irony and then she's introduced and immediately someone's like your privilege is that your voice is always going to be heard you wrote a book called you gone to be kidding me and like honest to god Honest God, I don't like the title, but like you got to do it. And like you got to do whatever you want. And like I just want y'all to know that there is a different game that we have to play. And there is a different situation in which our voices and our perspectives get limited. And then someone points out how I'm like really embarrassed to be here with you because this is just another example of white privilege using your white privilege and um, what are you gonna do with it other than come into this space and take? I I I, def- I, I felt so much so many so many feelings were had during the scene but particularly when that girl that nice young lady said that because i feel her pain and that and that is the point in the movie where it's like this is only for white people one of the things i've noticed in conversations on white privilege is that it always ends up being about people of color's experience it comes to here and it stays here and it never becomes about whiteness. There's nothing in this movie that black people need to be told. Yeah. This is purely for white people. You can question whether or not it's Chelsea should be the one to do it, but she did it and it's not that bad. I mean, somebody did it. Yeah. You know, like no one is really doing it. So if it's Chelsea, hey, good on her. Was there uh, anything else at this gathering that stood out to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, there was one lady, the first lady that spoke. appreciate you being here. I appreciate anyone that's trying to reach out and gain a deeper understanding of where we are and where we need to go. But this rabbit hole goes deep, deeper than a documentary. What do you do with that? We can talk around and around in circles, but as she said, this rabbit hole goes deep. Mm. And it goes really, really deep and so deep to a place that most white people feel completely uncomfortable talking about it at all. Yeah. Um, And there's a point that's made later on the documentary about how like white people need to talk to white people about this shit without black people being in the room. Which initially kind of sounded like, what the fuck are you all saying? Why can't we be in the room? But then it's like, well, but yeah, but you you guys are never going to be able to really talk about the uncomfortable stuff if you're constantly worrying about someone else in the room judging you because of that and automatically looking at you as a racist, which is not necessarily going to be the case, but that's going to be the perception in your mind. So yeah, I think it is healthy. I think that, you know, I've I've spent a significant portion of my life having to explain things to white people, Mm -hmm. not just my friends, 
but to people I barely even know. Um, and my level of tolerance fluctuates depending on the relationship I have with the person that I'm interacting with. You're wearing your glasses. <laughs> so weird right now. Like a it's college be- professor thing. It's because they're reading glasses. Yeah, and yeah. I don't like the way things look when I'm not reading. So I have to keep them down here. <laughs> I think a lot of what I mean, white people definitely do need to talk to each other. Honestly, they kind of suck at it. I think we'll actually get into why Chelsea, she actually impressed me in the subject matter of what would come later. And we'll talk about it when we get there, but it happens outside of Nashville. She like dabbles into it uh, about an issue amongst white people. That was, I did not know she was here. Like she came to Antioch. I did not, we'll get to that later. She knocked on my door, but I didn't answer. Well, that weirds me out. I don't, yeah, I don't like people to show up unannounced. I, I hear that. One white person that can probably explain to you um, about your own damn privileges, a fellow by the name of Tim Wise. So what makes you the expert on whiteness? Apparently he's wrote a lot of books. My mother is a huge fan uh, and she has introduced me. I, I had no idea who this guy was until about a year ago, year and a half. I was listening to, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was The Moth or something. On, it was something on NPR. Mm-hmm. And it was him. I realized later on that it was him talking about this very subject. He put it in a way, it was the most eloquently worded thing that came out of a white person's mouth about this subject I had ever heard. Like I literally was sitting in the parking lot with one leg out and like still in the car, car running, listening because I was like, this guy gets it. Like yeah. this is a white person who actually understands that like you're, this is some work we've got to do. When I say we, I mean we as in white people and stop depending on black people to constantly explain to you and point out to you what to hold your hand through the process because it's fucking exhausting. It's so exhausting. As someone who's been doing it for so long, you just want to just be like, can you not just figure this out on your own? Like, do I have to baby step you through this whole thing? And I think that when you're raised in this country white, you don't necessarily think about what it means because you don't have to. It was interesting how he was describing about how the the perception of a white society, how overblown it is and how weirdly defensive it gets. But also he points out that we have a system where if people are people are up because people are down. Yeah. And he not only described racial structure in this country, but also like the flaws of a capitalist, purely capitalistic mm-hmm. system too, that can also have, lead to that disaffection. Obviously, he's a studied man. It's somebody who didn't just sit on their ass. It was somebody who's like, I need to study some shit here. And, you know, you can start at incarceration, uh, records regarding that. If to, it's a great start to see that's blatant proof yeah. that is there's extreme racial inequality in the country. And that is not just perpetuated by your general Republican people. You go to California, they're locking up a lot of black men as well. So we can thank our former Democratic president, Bill Clinton, for a lot of that shit. I don't like that motherfucker. I can't stand the Clintons. I don't like that motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, please. I wanted that Jeffrey Epstein shit to just like blow up. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Ah, I hate him. (laughs) Man, I was just reading some article the other day about how Elizabeth Warren might be talking to Hillary, having phone calls. It's like, why? And I couldn't tell that. Because the media is its own class, you know, especially corporate media, as we were bitching about before we started recording. Yeah. It's its own class. So, the, and they've handed it down to their kids and within their family, whatever 
you know, like a third of Harvard enrollees are legacy enrollees. That doesn't translate into being smart. Right. It translated <laughs> into get your fucking fanny wiped. But this article was just so bizarre. And it, I swear it was talking about this unironically. And we kind of hit base on this on Fahrenheit 11.9 about delegates, how they could, the Democratic delegates could go with the popular vote, but they seem to just go with like weird party money loyalty. Right. Yep. And the article said Hillary's influence is important because she can convince delegates on behalf of Warren. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What about just people the voting to people. pick it? Yeah. Oh, I hate the Clintons, man. I hate it so much. And Warren, don't do it. I don't understand. I kind of people. barely trust you as it is. Don't do it. There's nothing about her that screams trustworthy to me Who, at all. Warren? Yeah. I think my mom likes Elizabeth Warren. I wish she didn't. White women fucking love Elizabeth Warren, I've noticed. <laughs> they hated Hillary, though. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma loved Hillary. Really? Yeah. But, you know, she's not, like, laser mind or anything. Yeah, I mean, I've got friends who, you know, I don't know. I don't get it. Those That family is just so corrupt. They don't hold up. No. And, and I mean, what did, what did Hillary accomplish other than incarcerating more people and mass murdering people in the Middle East, of which she was complicit in at literally every term from Senator to Secretary of State. Brown people have just died in mass with Hillary Clinton. It's fucked up. Anyway, <laughs> we go to the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, and I felt slightly shamed because I didn't know that was there. Yeah, that was I that was that was rough. I want to go see it. I remember when it first opened. There was a thing on when did some it, morning show or about something. When, when did that happen? It's, it's not old. Like it's, okay. it's only been there for maybe maybe a couple of years. Well, it looks intense. Yeah. Yeah. Those sculptures are hauntingly beautiful. Montgomery's only like two, two we and a half go. hours south. We should do the drive. We should totally go. We should, I, do I like, love... we should do this like a subset of this episode. We should go and then discuss that. That's yeah. Like, be like an extra. an extra, yeah, bonus feature. I will. I want. I need to fill out some Patreon stuff for the future. So I don't even think it's been. Too, I think that place maybe just opened this year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. This movie is very recent. I could it, be wrong though. It's a powerful memorial. What little we saw, we saw the outside of it, and the structure is devoted to everyone who basically got lynched just for who they were. Uh, we we're in the South. The history is undeniable. I didn't catch this woman's name. I wrote down a lot of other I didn't names. either. I wish I had. But she talks about Lowndes, Lowndes, Alabama. And when she was young, there was a lot of the civil rights shit was going hot. She tried to walk into a store and she had this priest that was with her. And he was a white dude. And they tried to say, look, I will fucking kill you. You walk into this store. No, she's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. She's just a black woman. The priest grabs her, takes the bullet for her, and he dies. It was some powerful shit. Angela was crying throughout this entire movie. She was sitting right beside <laughs> She's a pussy. But <laughs> we haven't watched the Don't Be Sexist documentary. <laughs> hey, you can call me a pussy. There are a few things in this world stronger than a vagina. Yes, queen. Things that a vagina is capable of doing far exceed anything that my junk can do. What if I called you a dick? I mean, that would be accurate, Oh yeah. but, you know, I'd rather be called a pussy. Uh, we meet Latasha Brown, community organizers, and I remember this shit. Uh, uh, 40 seniors were organized to get onto a bus to go vote. This shit is crazy. This, this is 2018, is not too long ago. Yeah. Midterms. And a bus stopped 
because of suspicion that this was being organized by like it doesn't even make sense an what they're unknown saying. third party yeah what what third party if it's not this candidate or this candidate organizing it what the fuck do you care? and who gives a shit either way like she said these are adult able-bodied people able to make their own decisions and go wherever the fuck they want to go so who has any right to come in and and the whole thing is voter suppression which they spent a lot of time talking about during this segment voter suppression is a real thing people if you think that it's not Fuck you, because you're an idiot. No, it is. <laughs> People are getting their names thrown off rolls for little to nothing. Yeah. It'll be like, this This information says your name is hyphenated. This one doesn't. We're going to have to freeze your vote. And Florida is the worst. Florida. Georgia came under fire, too, because that politician, he was running for the seat, and he was also had a job in charge of voter right. rolls. That should be illegal. <laughs> That's what's fucked up about this country right now. I feel like in a class structure way, we are reaching a breaking point. We are. When people hear about this shit happening, and I think a lot of people just assume shit is illegal. But the problem is that they have legalized this corruption. Can they do that? Turns out they can. And or and if they can't do it, but it requires enough people giving them a, 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 as much of a fuck in order for it to be yeah. effective. Just uh, that's what happens when you uh, people don't realize the the level of influence that conservatives and big business have had as far as the judicial system in this country yes in the past few years like the amount of money spent on judicial elections for just local government it's the most money spent on on any any campaigns like any branch of government that's where the money is going to right now because they make the laws they're the ones who decide you buy these people you get who you want in office roll the dice and maybe you'll get some people who end up on the Supreme court, which is what just happened mm. uh, this year. So it's long game shit, man. People are just letting it happen. There's voter suppression. Uh, a lot of votes were held in electoral purgatory. 70% of them were African-American. I think that was, it's in Georgia or Alabama. This is Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Also, this is kind of what a lot of people don't realize. What two States have the most black people? I would say uh, Mississippi and uh, probably Alabama. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. That's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. We'll be right back with our price is right. Don't go away. That is correct. And yet these are so blood red in these elections. I know. If you look at, like, you can look at voter maps in counties and how they come in. And it just looks like how things are laid out, even in rural areas, because there's plenty of black people in rural areas, how it even seems like Alabama and ch- chunks of Alabama and Mississippi seem bluer than even Tennessee. Yeah. We're in like a blue dot, and it, but it's like a neoliberal bullshit anyway. <laughs> They're not building trains. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, but that's redistricting, that's voter suppression. Also, you perpetuate a system where you uh, take funding away from things like education and that perpetuates the same cycle. I mean, even if people you're at a point now when a lot of these areas where even if people like in mass change their minds, like, wait, these Republicans are fucking us up. They're all bent and twisted in a way to where it only is there to serve themselves. Yeah. And even like Southern Democrats in a lot of way, I remember one governor race where it was like, they both thought that prayer should be, (laughs) enforced in schools and shit like that it's like the things that these white democratic politicians think that they have to do but considering that 
we incarcerate so many people and through that take their right to vote away. In my opinion, isn't that an alienable right to me? If you did your time, you finished out your parole at that point, you should get your right to vote back. Like you, you I'll go one further. You should never lose your right to vote. You're a citizen. It's your inalienable right. You're supposed to be born with that ability. Ooh. If you're locked up, look at you, ultra liberal. Look, if you're if you are an American citizen, you get a vote. Isn't that how? I mean, it doesn't matter because they're just going to freeze it and throw it out, right? But you should, right? And I, a lot of people argue against that by putting up the worst fucking thing possible as an example. The problem with putting up the worst fucking possible example is that you fuck up a lot of people who maybe just had a dime bag by utilizing. And here's the, the thing: thing. maybe if the people who are incarcerated, um, who arguably are on the receiving end of all these bullshit policies that are hurting the most vulnerable people. Maybe if they have a chance to actually vote, yeah, they can vote to people in the office that will prevent that systemic cycle from continuing over and over again. You make valid points, Robert. We go to Helen, Georgia, Oktoberfest. I've been to a few Oktoberfests in my day. The whitest of fests. The whitest. Our white blood turns into beer. Why do white people love beer so much? You don't like beer? I don't. What What is your booze of choice? Uh, usually, if, well, if it's it's seasonal, summertime. tequila once, yeah, once yeah. we start my wife is you know she makes a hell of a margarita she worked in a mexican restaurant when we first met so fuck yeah that's part of our thing but when we start getting into the fall winter months then you're looking at whiskey bourbon that's my drink of choice chelsea talks to carol anderson and chelsea's like i'm going to oktoberfest in my opinion white people are the most react reactionary in terms of how you talk to people like a white person will make a correction to another white person about something and yeah white people need to be talking to each other but but there's a problem with that white people don't understand sometimes what they're talking about and so you get this feedback from another white person and it makes it seem like that sometimes white people for good or bad will sometimes still talk about whether in praise or insult like black people are monolithic and they all think exactly the same right. way and that there's no nuance to it whatsoever. We don't have nuance. And uh, everyone- We're all Democrats. <laughs> we all vote for whoever the Democrat is that's being put before us. doesn't matter what their policy proposals or any of that shit. If they're blue, we're going to vote for them. There are no black, Dem- there are no black Republicans. They don't exist. All right, I saw one Urban on legend. TV. Urban legend. Okay. Urban legend. <laughs> Not even the cane train? No, that was that's fake news, man. That was a hoax. I ran a cane train. <laughs> that I sounds disgusting. <laughs> that was fucking stupid. That was so stupid, I should edit that out. But I'm you probably won't. <laughs> but Carol's like... Well, one of the things you want to do is not assume that they're racist. Right. Of course. Yeah. No assumptions going in. Right. Yeah. But if you are at Oktoberfest, something <laughs> tricky's happening. Don't just assume people are racist. Because this is the part of the movie where Chelsea can feel a little good about herself. Good on her for taking all this heat because 
I'm sure she's smart enough to understand that she's going to like get like, why do I got to explain blackness to you again? Yeah. That's because she she does obviously understand that that's what's happening or what she's doing. So she goes Oktoberfest and um, it's like Fox News sizzle reel. Not a lot of nuance. We're discussing the topic of white privilege. Do you think that's a thing? Do you think it exists? No. What do you, th- you don't? No. And why do you know that? Well, because I grew up in the neighborhood where I played the blacks. So I don't see them any differently than I see myself. There's not. At least not how they're presented in we this know, documentary. And we, one guy says that. Voting's a privilege. It's not a right. It's a right. It's a privilege. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all fake news. You know, it kills me because this guy has a distrust of the media. So do I. But it's for completely different reasons. Yeah. This guy doesn't have a distrust for a media. He only watches one media. I hate all the media. This guy loves one media. <laughs> and we can all figure out. We can figure out the five websites he goes to. We can figure out the one channel he watches. MSNBC. John Bolton, God bless you. But people are like, uh, I don't I don't uh I don't know if there is white privilege. And then Chelsea's like, Would you know it if you were white? Crickets. And then these teenage Mind girls yeah, these teenage girls is like <laughs> eyes wide, like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a white person, you do constantly, that that is kind of the benefit of white privilege, but also the weird flaw of it is that we do constantly have to remind ourselves of it. It can casually just kind of pull back on you. And I think that even happens with the most quote unquote wokest of white person that I they- hate that expression. They, so I know, I do too. <laughs> and if you call yourself woke, just sit down. <laughs> Don't call- let someone else call you that. Don't call yeah, yourself. That. Fuck yourself if you're self-describing as woke. Uh, ben Shapiro. Um, this is I, this is the first time I've heard that asshole's voice. Ben Shapiro. Do you know this guy? Who's Ben Shapiro? Oh, a kill. That name wanna, sounds familiar. I just want to wrap my arms around. He's just a conservative pundit. Oh, that's why. He's like, there's no black privilege. According to the left, if there's inequality of outcome. There must be some shadowy, evil white privilege out there in the ether that is quashing people of other colors. He sounds like a twat, because he is. He's a gigantic <laughs> twat. And the fact that you barely know who he is, I just want to wrap my arms around <laughs> Never let you go. I fuck my brain up absorbing stupid shit all the time. And then uh, Chelsea goes to the house that white privilege built. No, actually, it was probably built by black people and then lived in by white privilege. True that. And uh, truth. <laughs> Hashtag truth. Hashtag truth. Before we move on to that, I do want the, uh, the Oktoberfest thing. Please. I just want to chime in. So all these people react to her questions in exactly the stereotypical way that you would expect this yeah. particular demographic to yeah. respond. And obviously this is cut for specific to oh, show a specific type of person. Obviously, yeah. We're not seeing a lot of people be like, of course it exists. Right. But I kind of, I feel like had there been some of those people, they would have made the cut. I feel like they would there have been one. enough of a unicorn. It looked like a gay couple were like, yeah, it exists. <laughs> but the whole time I'm watching it, it's just all it did was just reaffirm to me. That was probably the most depressing part of, of the documentary because it just reinforced sure. every single thing that I already knew. Yeah. I was hoping for some nuance for there to be some surprise to be had but there was none no there was not even any thought that went into the responses they were you could just see in their faces just it was just an immediate reaction soundbite reaction to the questions she was asking the fact that the first words out of that guy's mouth were fake news 
It's like you have no original thoughts. You no, are just regurgitating not at shit all. that's being spoon fed. That isn't even like close to being analytical no. in any <laughs> way. It was just depressing. And it just reaffirms my belief that there is a revolution coming in this country. Uh, so get your guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your guns. This, dude, this is why I'm not totally into guns. You know? I'm becoming a little less. I'm getting to a point where I'm like, I need to fucking arm myself to prepare myself for when the shit hits the fan. After, um, the, after the Parkland shooting, which is fu- a fucking nightmare. Some states pass laws where judges and police can take any weapons away, even if you legally bought them, if they suspect any kind of like mental problems or like extreme stress that could lead to a mass shooting. I understand that the idea of that is is positive. Yeah, but who makes that decision? Who makes that call as to what's considered six months ago? We're all angry at police for shooting unarmed black men. And now you're giving them the power, more power over their lives. This shit always disaffects minorities and poor people. Yeah. The worst. They're not going to go into people. They're not going into that militia camp to take all 500 right. guns. Cops are not that brave. <laughs> <laughs> They'll swat like a, a Twitch streamer. No problem. But I think we should. We need to go back to the Black Panther model. Hey, arming our, th- yeah, ourselves. rolling like, around with a shotgun in the in the pasture side, and we like taking the taking control the security of our neighborhoods into our own hands. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're whether you're a cop or not. You're not. You're gonna think twice about coming into a neighborhood. Yes, when you know that a significant portion of those people are not just armed, but armed and organized. Yeah, and can respond accordingly if need be. Well, they fucking killed Fred Hampton. So yeah. But Viva the revolution, motherfuckers. But those, but those Chicago cops are fucking hard. It's coming. Can't hold back the tide. Hey, I'm, I, I, I'm one of the good whites. You are. You want, you want, you're one of the good ones. You, you can be my house cracker. <laughs> <laughs> I cook real good. <laughs> um, you just said you were lucky that you had friends who knew how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we all, we're all good. We can all help each other. Uh, we are into the. I don't want to spend too much time on this bullshit, uh, but we walk into a house of conservative women. Ugh. One woman, Jennifer Bill. I forgot her job title. I wrote conservative something. <laughs> but she talks about like why. Um, I forget why she says this, but she starts to explain why the perception there. She doesn't believe there's white privilege. She talks about why there's a perception. And she talks about how black people don't have moms and dads. Really, privilege is growing up with a mom and a dad, right? That's privileged, right? Because a lot of kids don't have that. And I think you see that in the African-American community where they're missing a mom or a dad and, you know, they're just stuck in this cycle of poverty. You know who else didn't have moms and dads present? This white boy right here. <laughs> and you know what? I grew up in the sticks and guess what was very common? A lot of white boys without moms and dads. <laughs> but this lady in her privilege kind of thinks that every white person is like her. Yeah, that's her that her view. She's filtering her idea of what black people, what the, the root of problems in the black community through the stereotypical idea of the broken black home, which is a thing. I'm not saying it's not, but there are so many complex reasons yes. uh, as to why the black community is suffering right now uh that's a very small significant part that in itself is rooted in a racist yeah 
maybe it's just, it's just <laughs> you go back to slavery there was no family unit for black people yes every your children were treated as cattle so you weren't able to raise your kids as a family unit your husband if you were even able to consider to be married was sold off to another plantation your kids were sold so like the family structure was complete the nuclear family just was destroyed by slavery yeah and that is that it's a systematic thing that's that's been passed down generation by generation but they don't see that they don't understand it's it's so fucking frustrating well they (laughs) they see it southern white people will see it when they look back in their own past they can accept that change that led to their because they sanctify so especially rich southerners they will sanctify their past and make excuses for it so they will accept that how that lineage affects them now but they will deny it for people of color right who who their lineage happened right alongside their own ancestors' lineage. It's fucked up. It's very fucked up. Uh, but this one woman goes like, look. White privilege didn't get, I mean, and I'm a woman in politics. I'm a woman in Republican politics. Uh, I'm a woman in, and I'm a woman in Republican politics. She's trying to, I'm a Repu- I'm a woman in a Republican politics. I could just go to the Democrats if I wanted to be treated so equally, but I want to make it hard on. She acknowledges that the Republicans suck. She just doesn't come out and say it. I'm a woman in politics. I'm a woman in Republican politics. They both suck. If we're, if we're being real about it, yeah, Democrats are they're 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 not that different from another. Republicans are like straight up racists in your face, whereas Democrats. Pretend like they're not, but then pass all these fucking yeah. policies and shit that are racist. So fuck both of them. <laughs> Look, Democrats, there's one thing you can do that makes me trust you. Turn down money. Yeah. Lobby money. Yeah. Corporate money. These things in which that hamstring people every day, poor people, don't take that money. Bernie Sanders could be like three times richer than he is. Oh, right God, now. yeah. It's like, don't take that money. Don't take that fucking money. And then I'll trust you. Feel the burn. Even then, I'll still keep my eye on you. Like, But you have to. Let's see what you do. That's our job. Yeah. It's our job to fucking keep an eye on these people we elect in the office. But we don't care enough. And we're distracted by so many other things like reality shows and podcasts. But <laughs> Alabama white bitch thinks you need to knock it off and quit talking about it. It's time to move on and knock it off and quit talking about it. So take that, kill. Yeah, well, fuck her. Did you see that t-shirt W. Kamau Bell was wearing? No, what is that? You didn't see it? No. You know about Barbecue Becky, right? Yes. Lady in Oakland who called the police on black people barbecuing. Barbecuing, yeah, yeah. And got busted and started crying on uh, someone's camera phone yeah, about a, it when she got confronted about it. It's a great video. He was wearing a shirt of uh, Dr. King speaking at the Washington Monument. And it's that infamous shot of his back and you see every all the people in attendance there. And in the corner is Barbecue Becky. Call it, call the cops. Oh my God, we died. <laughs> Kamal's like, yo, racism is not a feeling. I wrote that down too. Also, not being a racist isn't a feeling. Yeah. I think this is kind of very much a right wing kind of thing where if they're in a, a argument about racism, that they can defeat racism, their own racism by just saying they're not racist. It just seems so overtly simple. When you're dealing with actual racist conversation. That's because people don't want to do the work. They want just the simple. And you can do that when you are when you have that privilege. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of having the white privilege is you can just 
come up with simplistic soundbite responses on how we can fix the problem and then forget about it because it doesn't really affect you. Now we go up around here locally, my friend, Antioch, Tennessee, right next door. We were just looking at houses in Antioch a couple of weeks ago. Is Antioch in Davidson County? Yeah. Okay. It's part of the Metro Nashville Davidson County area. My sister is a resident. Nashville itself has a little over 600,000 in the city itself, but in the whole Metro County, which all the police have municipal over the whole county, it's about like two, somewhere between two and three million people. So it's actually quite a bit when you take the whole county together. Antioch is one of these regions where gentrification occurs, poverty gets pushed. And that's also, we live close to an area called Dickerson. A lot of poverty going back generations has been pushed to Dickerson Bike. Although Dickerson, if you notice, towards downtown is getting gentrified. Yeah. Oh, it's it's coming. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. I, I used to tell people, like, you want to know what Nashville looked like in the 70s? Go drive down Dickerson yeah. Pike. But we go to Nashville. We meet a white dude, a rapper. I, I think I've heard his name before, but I don't know much I've about I've never him. heard of him before. His name's Jelly Roll. He describes himself as white trash. You call yourself white trash? Is that oh, what I'm you- white trash as fuck. The epitome of. I think I'm the king of it. Never heard of him before until I saw this documentary, but I am officially a fan. I've watched <laughs> it. <laughs> now, this scene is very important because, like I said, this movie's for white people. And I was wondering if white poverty was going to get touched on. And it fucking did. So, Chelsea, uh, Alex, I commend you. I felt like this could be expounded upon a little more, but this is interesting. And it was also interesting because we've, we've seen stuff about white poverty mm-hmm. on numerous other occasions. Yes. This is the first one I've seen where it's not coming from the angle of we're white and we're poor and it's their fault. Yes. It's come it's coming at it from a completely different angle, whereas we're white and we're poor and we can empathize with the shit that black people are having to deal with because of that. I and- feel like the images of poverty that we see nowadays are from like fifty to eighty years ago. Like those old pictures of the Great Depression. Right. We don't we see more of that than unless you're willing to go to the neighborhoods and areas in the country where it happens on TV. It seems like it always seems to be presented as something from a long time ago. And of course, when you're looking at those old segregation is like out of control at that time. So when you're looking at specific poverty, you're looking at a bunch of white faces. But now poverty, like like I said, Dickerson Pike is a place where a lot of poverty is pushed. So Nashville has disenfranchised its own black citizens and a lot of them got pushed to Dickerson over the years. Also, what you see a lot in Dickerson is like broke fucking rednecks standing on the corner Mm -hmm. asking for money. This is the flaw of white liberals. This is the flaw of white liberalism and why they need a little more practice in talking to each other about it. Because I think there's too much, and I've been guilty of this too, that white liberals will kind of look at poor whites and be like, well, I'm not that. That's their thing. That's what they perpetuate this. They perpetuate that racism because they, they look country as fuck. They sound different. And and it's like, well, we're one of the good. Like I remember growing up, my, like a lot of older folks when I was growing up, older white folks, they talked about how they hated the Klan, right? But they didn't talk about the Klan like philosophically they hated them. They hated the Klan because they made them look bad. Right. That's why they fucking hated the Klan. Here's an example of, of something I've noticed as like liberal white racism. And you're talking about people who, you know, you, you know, the old, I would have voted for Obama for a third term kind of white people <laughs> They're on paper. They're there. 
They've gone to these march. They've been to some marches and stuff. So have I. And they've got a kid, right? And that and everyone's loving this kid. They're in this neighborhood. That kid comes to a certain age, reaches around the age of five. It's time to go to school. Suddenly, we need to find a new house in a better neighborhood. We need to find because the schools here they're just not what we need for our child. And then you look at the school. What's up with that school? So many. So many, What's going on with that school? So many brown people in that school. Holy shit. Holy shit. That school is, if a school is half black, we'll see how not racist. Yeah. And we're talking about people that objectively are good people in, in many other ways. And they may not even understand that they're even doing. Well, all they're thinking of is, which any parent would do, is I want to do what's best for my kids. Yes. It's all, that's the thing. The excuse is the kid. And a lot of people right. have argued that, well, like, because that school is black, that it's often underfunded or funds, or, but you perpetuate it if right. you don't let, uh, Here's an idea. integrate the school. Keep your ass in the neighborhood. Yeah. Send your kid to that school and work to try to make that school better and to give those kids what they need to actually have a shot when they get yeah. out. Don't and just cut and run. I feel like as much problems as public schools do legitimately have, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. That the way people talk about public schools, it's like they talk about public schools like there's beheadings in the fucking hallway. <laughs> like, are you? I went to like the rednecks, dumb redneck school that everyone in Montgomery County made fun of that didn't go to that school. And you know, there was a lot of problems. I did see a lot of fucked up shit, but I also did actually have teachers that gave a fuck and wanted to inspire me and good people that were open minded and, and, and just good kids all yeah. around. You'd be surprised at. How much an engaged parent meeting this system halfway can really fill in a lot of gaps. For all its problems, public schools are underrated based on how people talk about it. Well, most parents just want to. I mean, and part of this, you know, we, we live in an age now where most most people don't have the luxury of if you have a nuclear family of like having a stay at home parent. Yeah. We both got to work. That, yeah. That's how it is now. You both got it. Unless you're making a, unless you're in a certain income bracket, one of your spouse, your spouse, you both have to work to put shit on the table and keep things going. And so one of the, one of the, I can't even talk right now. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> tired. Uh, one of the side effects of that is that people don't, feel like they have the time or the energy to really engage mm. in the school system. They just drop their kids off at the school. At that point, this is your job. I expect you to take care yeah. of my kid and to educate them and feed them and do all this fucking shit while I'm at work. And I don't want to hear anything about it. Everything needs to be fine. And now you're talking about economic class. Right. Yeah. Which leads me to another side of this point. Let's say you got a poor white person, right? And I've, I've been around a lot of broke fucking white people in my time. Now, the nice liberal person that wants to leave the neighborhood all of a sudden, they say all the right things. They know all the terms, the pronouns. They get everything right. They've studied to say the right thing. So you don't yell at them. The poor white person, <laughs> uh, they're not so hot at that. They may say some things that you're like, what? Don't say that. What's going on? They might have some issues as, you know, may, that a poor white person might have. I mean, I can't deny that they often do live up to those stereotypes, you know. But let me tell you something. A poor white person don't give a fuck where their kid goes to school. <laughs> they would send their fucking kid to the fucking, the devil's ass crack high school. <laughs> because you're like, no, mama's going to watch your shows. You need to get the fuck out. <laughs> 
They don't give a fuck. They don't. Poor white people don't give a fuck. And I think the thing the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of time poor communities, while they have their issues and stereotypes often get perpetuated, they often seem a lot more integrated than these like white liberal enclaves that I encounter sometimes. Yeah. You go to like like these blue a lot of blue states, you know, your 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 Oregon's, your Washington's, your your New England states. You go there and you're like, where are the fucking black people? You know who's got you know what what city's got one of the most segregated school systems in the entire country? New York City? Yep. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. That's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. We'll be right back with our price is right. Don't go away. <laughs> Old liberal and YC. Oh, well, LA's got issues too. Yeah. Chicago definitely has race. I mean, and that's the thing is like people like to try to pretend that, you know, the hardcore racism shit is a Southern thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so not the case. It's everywhere. It's just in certain places. It's way more subtle and mm-hmm. more systemic than like the motherfucker with the Confederate flag yeah. on the back of their truck. Like, and yeah. that, and, and the grand scheme of things, the, that guy with the Confederate flag in his truck is not going to prevent me from being able to get a job. Yeah. Or because you know, he's broke as fuck. And right. has this, that's the ironic thing about is that the structure that is white privilege, it's, it's definitely disaffecting minorities. It's also fucking with poor white people yeah, too. I know. And the biggest trick that these fucking rich fucking Southern politicians ever did was tell poor white people that it's black people's fault yep. or now immigrants in Mexico. Yeah. And that's gone back. Hundreds of years, hundreds of fucking years. And that actually brings us full circle back to Antioch. I'm white trash as fuck. The epitome of. Because Antioch is probably the most, as far as areas in the metropolitan area of Nashville, Mm -hmm. there are probably more immigrants that live in Antioch than any other part of the city. Absolutely. And it's also one of the poorest parts of the city. And that's essentially what we're talking about in terms of Jelly Rolls shows a point. He's sitting. We we meet brothers. One looks white. One looks black. And they're brothers. How's that working out? It's just weird because just being with him, just together, going everywhere together, I see how he's treated as opposed to how I'm treated. And we're the same blood. We have the same mother. You would never know unless we told you, but it is a, it's a wild thing. Man. They're all in this economic scenario. They kind of share the plight instead of blaming each other for yeah. it. And they're Southern as fuck. You can tell that they're proud as fuck of being country as hell. They don't mind at all. And there is racial integration. When we meet Jelly Roll, he's getting his hair cut by a dude, black dude wearing a Donald Trump t-shirt. <laughs> See, that seems like you're just trying to egg people on. That's I what he's doing. He posted yeah. it just to get a bunch of people to come to the barbershop and argue with him one day. He's really fucking with people. He just won't say it. The guy admits he didn't vote yeah. the last election. But Jelly Roll's like, he's he didn't really support He just... He just pretending, like, basically, just to fuck with people. Yeah, he's, many- <laughs> yeah, he's fucking with you. And the guy's got that slick fucking smile. He, just- <laughs> he doesn't say a word. <laughs> no, he doesn't. You can tell he's kind of smart like that. He's yeah. Like, shit. <laughs> but this represents some... I think this is... Um, I think this is kind of... Poverty is being pushed together in a lot of ways. And I think one weird positive thing is that I think a lot of people who are at a certain... If you're you're around other people with and and what is marginalized is people of color, so they end up 
slowly organ like you get you can get it like a racist white grandma oh and she'll be carrying like her grandbabies that are obviously like half black yeah i swear to god if poor white people would finally realize that they've been lied to mm-hmm. and sold a bill of goods by both democrats and, and republicans yeah and realize that like yeah we're actually all in this together like yeah you're fucking pissed off. I'm pissed off too. We're actually pissed off about the same things, but you're being told, you're being spoon fed information telling you that this is the reason why you should be pissed off. And it's really not the case. If they would just realize yeah. this, like we can get some shit done in yeah. this country. Think, there are way more poor people. <laughs> I think there might be more of that. I think there might be a lot more than that than we think, but it's mo- mainly in cities where that poverty integration that is forced. Yeah. But there's plenty of spots in the rural areas where in this pocket of something, it's always just been fucking white people and they're never going to leave their bubble. Even with the advent of communication technology, people just seem to double down. Right. There is examples of that working out. Well, it's not working out because everyone's fucked. But, you know, (laughs) Dr. King tried to bring poor whites and poor blacks together. He started throwing around words like socialism. What happened to him? Well... Also, we start talking about the Vietnam War. The war in Vietnam. Additional millions cannot bring themselves around to support it. This reveals that millions have chosen to move beyond the prophesying of smooth patriotism to the high grounds of firm dissent based upon the mandates of conscience and the reading of history. That probably played a bigger part than anything else. I think the unification of uh, racial poverty is super dangerous to government structure. Extremely fucking dangerous because that links in because to them, he's trying to unify people to get their fair share. It's all communism. So it all connects with what he's doing in racial unification and Vietnam because They're justified in that shit show because they got to defeat the communist specter. Right. The promises of the great society have been shot down on the battlefield of Vietnam, making the poor, white and Negro bear the heaviest burdens, both at the front and at home. And that includes stamping out every little thing that might even remotely resemble that. And no one gets their fair share if you're constantly sniping at one another which is exactly what the people in power want and that's what it's like today and they've actually done such an amazing job of like cutting all of that out up to this point in our modern time you just say like hey, i think we need a union and the people are like what are you stalinist russia it's like no we maybe want to be more like a sweden you know <laughs> <laughs> but jelly roll is interesting it, it, it was funny how uh chelsea's brings up her boyfriend tyshawn or ex-boyfriend Dyshawn. Uh, he used to sell heroin. Oh, Jelly Roll calls her white trash. Yeah. So being Jewish, do you? I, would you be offended if I called you white trash? No, not at all. What if I told you you not were like... Not because I'm Jewish. I would be offended for other reasons, but I wouldn't Why really... would you be offended? You were like our white trash Oprah. We loved you oh, for that. All right. And she looked visibly like, what the fuck? Why is he telling me? Why is he calling me that? Which was so strange to me. I, that surprised me just because what little I do know about her that seems to be kind of her her wheelhouse. Like that's her bread and butter. Yeah, playing she, up that image. Yeah, but we're talking about like 
privileged, self-entitled yeah. liberals here. Yeah. They're not racist. Those poor white people in that trailer park are racist. Right. So when he calls her that, in her mind, she may not even consciously understand it. She's like, I'm not some trailer, some Confederate flag waving trailer trash. That's that's probably what instinctively yeah. popped in her head. And I think she got over that real quick. Well, I love after she sort of gave her, you know, her backstory, <laughs> all this shit about getting pregnant in high school and like running away from home and living with her boyfriend and doing drugs and DUIs. <laughs> and he's like, you're going down the wrong oh, road. Stop, stop, stop. I hate to interrupt you. Please and you do. were denying being white trash initially when you walked in here? <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it was the funniest was, joke. Of the it movie. really was. <laughs> I respect the fact that she just left it at that and gave no comeback. Mm-hmm. Like in the editing, he said that and then it, it cut to like the next thing to them like cooking out or whatever. Yeah. She could have easily come back with something and tried to like change how that ended up coming out on film. Mm. But I respect the fact that she left it as is. Yeah. I got to credit Alex and Chelsea for that can be almost a whole other thing in terms of like a part two of white privilege. I would privilege. love to see that documentary. Yes. A yeah. part two of white privilege, a layers of how white people fuck each other up and blame racism instead of taking responsibility for it. Tyshawn. Tell us about Tyshawn. So Tyshawn was her high school boyfriend back in New Jersey. Um, she was a bit of a wild child, I guess you could say. Left home, was living with his mom, Tyshawn's mom. She got knocked up a couple of times. A couple of times. Um, a couple of abortions. A lot of, a lot, lots of being in the car as it's being pulled over. Um, he gets arrested, but she gets to go even though she's holding drugs. Right. Uh, and she mentions how multiple times she got pulled over and she never once, she always got let go. Uh, whereas the brown person in the car with her did not have the same luxury that she did. Uh, and so she decides, you know, she wants to look him up. She wants yeah. to go find him. She hasn't seen him since then. Wow. It's been that long. Yeah. So we go see Tyshawn. Excuse Hi. me. Hi. Hi. You look so good. And you're not in. Aww. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh. I'm so happy you're not in prison. Oh, tell me about it. This is the first time in three years. That's why you could never catch me. I was always in that motherfucker. He said he'd been in jail for 14 years. years. And he takes responsibility for all the shit that he says he does, but he does acknowledge. Harkening back to those days in which she got to walk where he got sent up, he says something interesting. He goes, Like, I remember getting pulled over like four or five times on my way home to the house when I had been drinking. I had like five people in the car, and every single time I got through it. No, but you had the complexion for the connections. And that's what actually the story, when she talks to the guy, I can't remember the name of the guy that she's speaking to or even what city they're in or even what his position is, but they're talking specifically about, I think it's in New Jersey. And about how the disparity between, you know, the number of kids, like 30 to 1, as far as, you know, kids being convicted of crimes if they're children of color versus white, even though the rate amongst them as far as committing the crimes is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And and that's sort of like she starts thinking back to Tyshawn. And that's when she realizes that, like, nothing ever happened to me. It, should, it never even dawned on her until that time that, like, she thought it was because she was 
charming and cute or whatever and had it going on that she got let go every time yeah. and it finally clicked in her brain and like oh no it was because i was white that's yeah. why i got let go so that sort of triggers her to decide to look him up after all these years and uh his family gives her such a warm welcome it's very sweet yeah but tyshawn's mom says some shit that fucking broke my heart about how when she was a kid i was mad at my mom because she married a black man right <laughs> that gave me knotty hair and dark skin. Because when I was growing up, everybody wanted to be white. They wanted to have long hair and all of that stuff. So that was deep embedded in me. So that at 13, I started to suppress it. I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, early 80s. The lighter you were, the better. Like I got, I'm to this day, I am convinced that a lot of the opportunities I got as a child, as far as school and going into, you know, doing these programs um, because of test scores. And like, I'm convinced that it was the attention that I got from teachers would not have been the same had I been had a darker complexion. Mm -hmm. I've I've always felt that way. And I I know I was treated differently because I was light skinned when I was a kid. They're not going by their own framework. They're going by the framework that a majority set upon. Yep. It still shakes me. To think about that. It still does. And like for all the shit that I think I know even now, and I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but even that just still throws me the fuck off when I just put it to the front of my mind. White I mean, privilege, man. Madam C.J. Walker, who is the first black millionaire, she created the hot comb. Yeah. Okay. And as much as she is recognized for, you know, her entrepreneurship and, you know, being a successful person of color at a time when that just did not even exist. The fact is she created a product that was specifically designed to straighten black people's hair, to make black people's hair look more like white people. So that's just like an early example of how that has been perpetuated over the same. I mean, it's, yeah, it's deep, man. This rabbit hole, it goes deep, Bobby. This rabbit hole goes deep. Deeper than a documentary. Dude, Dominicans are bleaching their skin. Have you seen Sammy Sosa? Yeah, he looks fucking weird, man. It's a thing in uh, Korea. It's a thing as well. Oh, yeah. South yeah. Korea. Like, a lot of the beauty regimens now that are extremely popular come out of South Korea. And a lot of them have to do with, like, lightening your skin. It's a, it's a thing over there. Korea? <laughs> yeah. Koreans want to lighten their skin? Yeah. They want their skin to be see-through? What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, you know, my wife is a makeup artist. Yeah. She works in an area of town that is affluent. Mm -hmm. And she has always told me, like, that's a thing where she works. Like, people of Asian descent come into the boutique or to the place where she works. They'll want a makeover. And she said they always, always want a foundation that is so many shades lighter than what's appropriate for their skin tone. Yeah, I guess they're, I've seen that in Japanese culture. Like, people kind of want to look like porcelain dolls sometimes. Hey, I don't have to know everything. <laughs> Tyshawn has four sons. There you go. <laughs> Tyshawn was talking about, and this this is, this is some shit that needed, he was talking about how he tells his sons how he needs to prepare. He's telling them how to prepare themselves in the world to announce that you're going for your wallet. Yeah. See, 
That's why privilege right now there because look, I don't, I don't care. I get paranoid when I get pulled over where I grew up. We actually didn't like the police, but we didn't like the police because they were subjugating us or abusing us. We didn't like the police because we lived out in the sticks. And if we needed them, they'd probably drive by the house like five times before they finally get right. to us. They were a joke. And yeah. if you showed up at the house, like, I think I want to be a cop. We would literally make fun of you because to us, the police were fucking losers. I still kind of hang on to that. For Barney Fife's. Well, Barney was the only good one. But it was completely different than how black people perceived the police. My, this is something I was raised. Like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was probably about 11 years old. My mom gave me a copy of what is literally called Little Black Book. And in that book, it's it tells you everything, every scenario. Like, if you get pulled over by the police. And I even pulled over because, like, I'm 11 at this point. If you're outside playing or if you're just in the neighborhood and a police officer approaches you and asks, asks you these questions, like, this is how you should respond. That's just how every black kid is raised, particularly black boys in this country. You have to be like, because it, it's life and death. It's not, you don't, you don't have the option. So I'm constantly, whenever I see a cop, I'm, I'm always looking for cops when I'm driving at all times. When I see a cop, if there's one next to me, I immediately, I can feel my heart rate start mm. to go up. There's one behind me. Like, and, and I don't, I, I, I try to keep my hands on the steering wheel. I don't do anything within that car. It's so weird to say that out loud, mm-hmm. but I don't know any other way to exist. Like, yeah, I don't know how not to be that way. And every time I feel like that, well, not anymore, but there was a certain point where I felt like I can maybe sort of let that shit go. And then you turn on the news or turn on YouTube and there's a brother getting shot. Like, it's just, it it just is. It is what it is and it's shitty and it shouldn't have to be that way. But when you're black, you don't have the luxury of, yes, you can continue to fight the fight. But while you're fighting the fight, you still got to do yeah. that shit to make sure you live to see another day to continue fighting the fight. See, when I get pulled over, I'm nervous, but I'm nervous because I think he's going to lie about how fast I was going and write me a ticket. Or he's going to look in the center console. But I don't, but I'm not like, <laughs> he's going to shoot me in the fucking head. Yeah. That's not a thought that pops into my head. Anyways. Uh, New Jersey has the biggest white black prison disparity. 12 to 1 in incarceration. And municipal, 30 to 1. Sounds like a great place to visit. That's a blue state. Yep. We talked to Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter in Los Angeles. And she says, and this is pretty much where we go out, pretty much. It's great that we're having these conversations. How about we have these conversations without your black friend in the room? Yeah. I'm sorry, Akil. It's okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but it was a good talk. And that's pretty much that. I got to say, my girl gave that fucking commission. In the oh, LAPD. yeah. Talk Man, about that. She gave them a she gave them a what for. And as compared to 2017, there was a 25% reduction in the number of officer-involved shootings. This is a total PR tool. This is something that you're using to trot around to communities to act like you are a kind, gentle police force. We know that that's not true. We know that any decline in use of force is because of the pressure that we have been putting on you. We also want to underscore this message that they're giving, right? They're saying it's okay to kill people if they have mental health challenges. It's okay to kill people because they've been using or because they've been drinking. And it's all okay to kill people who have things that are not weapons. A knife in a house 
is not a weapon. All of us have knives in our homes, right? Um, blunt objects are not weapons. That could be anything. We know that you lie, and we want to encourage truth. She, I mean, she launched into that. I was like, go on, sister. Do your thing. Cause, and you could, I love, like, there's just no reaction on their faces. I don't know if that's because they knew there were cameras in there, mm -hmm. but, like, there didn't seem to be, sometimes they weren't even looking at her. They're, like, looking down at papers or whatever. Yeah. There just seemed to be this attempt to pretend like the, none of the things that she was saying were actually occurring <laughs> in the same room. Like, yeah. you just ignore it. It'll go away. But like she said, they've been coming there for four years at this point, every week. Um, so, yeah, good on her, man. I saw something today. Um, I don't know where this was at. I forget where it was at, but there was this council meeting. It was time to trot out a cop and be like, you're the cop of the month. And then one of the council people was a black man. And this cop to accept his hand job or whatever. And this guy walks up and he's like, it's good to see you again. You probably don't remember me, but you're the police officer who falsely arrested me four years ago. You lied on the police report. I believe you're a rogue police officer, you're a bad police officer, and you don't deserve to be here. Bam! Just like that. That's all there is to it, Dustin. That's all there is to it. A winner! Just like that. We'll be right back. More Price is Right. Don't go away. And he said it in front of this whole fucking council. Oh, it was like, shit! It was so cool. Shit just got real. We Mic need drop. we need that every day. Yeah, we do. A kill. We don't rate documentaries in a Herzog rating scale. Do tell. We spent uh, before editing an hour and a half talking about a one hour movie. <laughs> You're gonna. Give I this think you just said we don't rate things on a Herzog. Oh, scale. <laughs> we don't rate them in stars. Those white white stars. We rate them in Herzogs. Also white. Also very white. <laughs> German actually. You're gonna give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. Combine them for best out of 10. What'd you think of High Privilege? It's me, Chelsea, by Alex Stapleton and Chelsea Handler. Title notwithstanding, I was pleasantly surprised by this documentary. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, comes in at a good runtime, which is always appreciated. I do have a life I need to get back to on a regular basis. Um, she was so successful at it when it wasn't about her. Yeah. That when it was, it almost, you almost were forced to question like why she needed to be there sometimes. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Um, no, but uh, that's your white privilege coming through. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yep. Just interrupt whatever you want. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I I wanted more. I could have used more jelly roll. I I could potentially see this as being like a series versus just a standalone documentary kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think I'll give it a. Uh, 3.75. Hmm. Hmm. That's how many Herzogs I feel like I can give it tonight. I feel like you you hit everything I was pretty much going to say. Um, I hate the title. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she did make me laugh at least once. Like, it was awkward that part about the, did he die inside of you? It was fucking weird, but I gotta admit I laughed. Yeah, it. I did too. That jelly roll angle was such an important way and like, I actually think what we we're talking about with the, the the examples of of the privileged white liberal and the poor white and how one looks at the other i think we kind of expounded upon specifically that dynamic and chelsea didn't trot it all out it could have been like a three-hour movie but i got to give her credit for like having because i did not expect that angle 
No, because not at all. Because I I was expecting to come out at her ignoring that part, and I was going to come out and be like, Chelsea ignored the class divisions that ha- occur within the races, and then I would complain about it and <laughs> waggle my finger. But she didn't ignore it. She didn't expound that much on it, but she did touch base on it, and I really actually appreciate it quite a bit that she did that. So Chelsea, I don't still don't know if your comedy is for me. But I ain't hating on you over this yeah, one. I appreciate the attempt at even doing this. There's a lot of mixed... Apparently, she scored kind of low, I guess, on the Rotten Tomatoes meter. She's gotten a lot of variety of criticisms online for a variety... I know... I remember one critic... Someone was upset about the, her making that did he die inside of you joke through <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. And... Like, I do we like, even care about Rotten Tomatoes? Or uh, you're I right. What does it, what does it matter? Any of those critics or they're not, are they even critics? Like who cares? Hey, who cares? Our voice. It's the only voice you need. Exactly. I also give it three point seven five. Put that together. That is seven point five. Seven point five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, white privilege it's late, people. White privilege doesn't help my math. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right, let's get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> Keep on doc. I mean, I plan on looking. Well, I mean, we've definitely watched a few at this point, and I plan on looking for more this February. Um, well, we gotta wait till February. Why can't? Why, why we gotta wait till Black History Month, Bobby? Well, we also touch base here and there on the way. I'm just saying, like, you're right. You're right. My fucking white privilege. I'm gonna cut my penis. <laughs> you know what's so crazy about this whole thing? I'm in jail, and you're on TV. So everybody's over there. Oh yeah, look at this girl. They're going. I said, I'll change the channel, change it. But they didn't, of course they didn't. And I couldn't tell nobody that I knew you because who would believe me? Like, yeah, right, you don't know this girl. Yeah, like, right. you don't know, I know this girl. But now we're here. But how will you come on the hardwood floors? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, the floors need me. I entertained at them. All labor has dignity. Yes. But you're doing another thing. You are reminding not only Memphis, but you are reminding the nation that it is a crime for people to live in this rich nation and receive starvation wages. Got a white mask. Mm-hmm. You got a black task. The different colors of the skin is what makes you tick within. You're trying to discriminate, trying hard to eliminate. You're still trying to meditate, but you still try to aggravate. You're trying to be king of all, all creatures great and small. The wrongly chosen president, leader of the government. 
pay you So this is the face of justice Well to me it's just a white mask And one day I'm gonna bust it To me it's just a white mask And one day I'm gonna bust it you to understand is this, that it didn't cost the nation one penny to integrate lunch counters. It didn't cost the nation one penny to guarantee the right to vote. But now we are dealing with issues that cannot be solved without the nation spending billions of dollars and undergoing a radical redistribution of economic power. Yes, yes.